conversation around food is complex. One of our objectives with the Food Focus podcast is to bring a range of those perspectives to play and provide you as a listener the opportunity to hear different perspectives, perhaps at a lower volume or a lower intensity than we often see in the broader conversation. Andrew Campbell, the fresh air farmer, is active in communicating with consumers and also advocating that more farmers need to do it too. He's a farmer in southwestern Ontario. We run into each other often at events where we speak or where we're listening or engaging in a broader conversation. And I really thought that there would be value in having a conversation about how he thinks about engagement and what we're doing well and what we can do better. I had a conversation with Andrew as he waited for wet fields to dry so that he could get out planting. Uh, And as I said, I wanted to get his perspective on the food conversation and engaging consumers. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, Andrew, uh, welcome and thanks for taking the time today. Oh, well, it's great to chat, Mike. Well... I'm intrigued, Andrew. You and I run into each other regularly when we're out speaking, and I know you are very active on social media, and you speak passionately about food and about articulating to a significant degree the good things that people in agriculture are doing. Why is this important to you? Well, I think it comes from, you know, one of the messages that I know you've heard me say over and over and over again is the idea that in today's environment, when we talk about people making their choices about what to eat, you know, they're just inundated with so much information in terms of what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat, what they should feel bad about eating, what they should feel good about eating, what they should feel bad about feeding their kids, all these things that people just have all these kind of conflicting ideas in terms of what food is and how it's produced and all of that. But What I've seen missing from so many of those conversations is how it actually is produced at the farm level. And kind of the realization that I've come to is the idea that it's missing because people from the industry haven't necessarily come forward and spoken up on behalf of how it actually is produced. And so unfortunately, there's so many people that are telling you what you should and shouldn't eat maybe because of how it's produced, that people within the industry have to make that step forward to say, okay, you know, wait a minute, I'm not going to tell you how to eat, how not to eat, but here is why I do what I do from the farm level or from the food processing level in hopes that then the consumer can say, oh, maybe all those things that I've heard or feel bad about or things like that, maybe I didn't need to worry about after all. But If the food industry doesn't have that conversation, then to a consumer, it just doesn't exist. And one of the things that I say often is that the conversation is going to happen whether agriculture participates in it or not. 100%. And I think one of the things that, that, and I appreciate your perspective on it, one of the things I think that happens is people are nervous about participating in the conversation because there may be some things that consumers go, geez, I wasn't sure you, I didn't know you did that. Maybe I'm not that comfortable with it, but but I think overall, agriculture has a profoundly good story to tell. Why do you think people are, are sort of loath to get out there and have that conversation? I think there's two things. One, I think, as you said, it's, it's kind of a discomfort with it in, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to give the wrong impression. You know, I don't want this to be 
you know, an environmental activist or an animal rights activist that, you know, I don't want to put myself in the spotlight. So I think there is that level. But I think actually more farmers just haven't necessarily found the real idea that, you know, not that it's necessarily not important, but it's never been a job they've had to do before. You know, when I look around, you know, my neighborhood here, you know, we're talking about farmers in their 50s, 60s, 70s, that communications has never been something that they put on their resume. They are really good at what they do. They've done it for a lot of years, are very confident that they're doing a good job. But because they've never had to or never thought they've had to, you know, it doesn't necessarily come as the idea that it should be their job. So I think that's one of the messages that certainly I try to talk a lot about. And as you said, you know, if, if we don't come forward, no one else will, is that conversation that I know you've never had to do this before. I know that talking to the general public isn't why you signed up to become a farmer. However, here's the reason why it does become important. Well, and I think... I couldn't agree with you more. And I think as we see some people graduating from university, young farmers going out, they're probably a little bit more comfortable with some of the platforms with through which they can communicate. And the truth is that it's not just farmers who have to, it's producers of everything who have to become more engaged with their customers as customers are asking more questions about not just how food are produced, but how everything we buy is produced. And the ability to communicate, the facility with which we communicate, and the cacophony of noise out there that other people are communicating what's good and bad really raises the expectation of engagement. Well, and I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I think that's what you should call this episode. Um, Because you're right that, I mean, we talk so much about farmers, and I think that farmers are a really important part of the conversation because so much of where some people's concerns come from production practices, you know, sustainability on the farm, pesticides, hormones, antibiotics, organic, all these types of things that are farm level. But I think where we're starting to see that grow a little more out now is in terms of food processors, retailers, restaurants. And unfortunately, once you get one or two players that kind of step out, and say, look, I am holier than thou because we do these practices, which may or may not be relevant to the production of food or the processing of food at all, but sounds good to a consumer, then all of a sudden it puts everybody else kind of at the back seat. And, you know, well, we've gone through it in agriculture where a lot say, oh, well, that's not important. We all do that. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, they go back and they say, oh, we've lost market share to this other competitor because we didn't say that same message. And all of a sudden now there's, you know, kind of a misunderstanding. So, you know, I do think it's one of those things that more important than ever is making sure that whatever your role is in food production, and this goes back even to, you know, a seed company that's only selling to farmers, anybody and say, you know, this is what we do. This is why we do it. And I think we also, going back to, you know, a farmer maybe being nervous about not giving the right answer, 
is stop trying to give the right answer Mm -hmm. and just say this is what we do and why we do it. Because fortunately, there's so much choice out there that not everyone's going to agree with you no matter what you tell them. So just lay it up front. Say this is what we do. This is why we do it. Let the consumer react back to give you feedback in terms of what's important to them. And then, you know, you kind of come at it from an unapologetic standpoint to say, this is the way I'm going to continue to do it. Unless down the road, you know, I get enough feedback that says I'm going to change my mind. But I think I've seen from a lot of those conversations that if you just give it to them straight, say, this is why we give an antibiotic. This is why we spray a pesticide. A lot of consumers come around and say, oh, that actually makes pretty good sense. Maybe I'm not, maybe I don't need to worry as much as I thought I did. Well, and it gets to, this is not only why I do it, but here are the parameters within which I do it. So antibiotics have withdrawal times. And so the meat or the milk or whatever isn't full of antibiotics because there is a strong regulatory environment. We have pesticide training and we apply it within the guidelines that the regulatory process, I think the fact that consumers have such a poor understanding of not only what farmers do, but the environment within which they do it and how they do it, that becomes such a powerful story to tell. Well, and because, you know, there was this, you know, one time they saw a Facebook post or a tweet that, you know, talked about being doused in pesticides or constantly being fed antibiotics. I mean, you know, even for me, you know, as a dairy farmer, you know, the number of times I've been asked, so do you take the milking machines off the cow or do you just leave them on (laughs) all of their life? Speaks to just how disconnected people are from the production of food and how influential some of these very quick one sentence memes can be when they say, you know, when they talk about kind of pulling all the milk out, hooking up a machine and leaving it forever. And all of a sudden that starts to impact what they actually believe rather than saying, no, 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 we do it. Four or five minutes later, it comes off. We go to the next cow. And then, you know, at night we do the same thing. But again, it takes that, okay, here's how we actually do it. And that consumer does change their mind fairly quickly once they hear it from, you know, a farmer that they find as a pretty trusting source for the most part. But again, it it takes them hearing that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm often surprised when we hear this, we have a trust issue in agriculture. And I'm not sure we have a trust issue in agriculture at all. I think consumers feel pretty good about farmers and like to hear from farmers. The issue we have is the one that you highlighted is they have no idea how we produce food. You talked about people asking you whether a milking machine, if these cows are strapped into a milking machine all of their life. Research we've done suggests that only about 25% of Canadians can answer the question, true or false, a cow needs to have a calf before she gives milk. And so if if we don't have that sort of basic level of understanding, we get into trouble trying to, to have a nuanced discussion about about antibiotic use or about how milking happens or any of that stuff. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you say about kind of that trust issue, I do think that as farmers, I don't think we necessarily have a trust issue. I do think maybe as agriculture, there is a little bit more, you know, kind of that trust falls off when all of a sudden people start thinking what a factory farm might be or what Monsanto might be or what these other types of things that fit in the bubble. And they're they're just not really sure how that connects. I mean, 
you know, when you talk about something like a chicken farm, people like and they trust the chicken farmer. But then as soon as they find out they, you know, have 40 or 50 or 100,000 birds, then all of a sudden, they go, oh, wait a minute, I all of a sudden, does that fit in with what I thought was big and corporate and greedy? And they start to, you know, kind of have this more conflict in their mind in terms of, well, what should I believe? And what will my friends think when I talk about this? And what's the PTA going to think about this? And that's really where we start to, along with that antibiotic and those more bigger picture conversations or those tougher conversations, does start to get more challenging. That makes a ton of sense. So given this uncertainty, do you think that there is a rise in consumer desire to know and to understand? Or are there still a large portion of consumers who just say, you know, it's not that important to me to know where my food comes from. And in, in fact, in some cases, I'd rather not know at all. I think that it actually is, and this is kind of a new, well, not really a new idea for me, but in terms of something that I've been trying to wrap my head around in terms of, I think that people aren't necessarily as concerned into the nuts and bolts as how it's done, Mm -hmm. but much more concerned from an emotional standpoint in, do I feel good about making that choice. I don't necessarily want to know the nuts and bolts of how this steer got to be a steak. Maybe I have an idea, but I want to feel good at the end of the day about whatever decision I'm making. And it actually goes back, you know, we had a couple of medical students that were in the area just a couple of weeks ago that were doing kind of a rural stop at one of the local hospitals. And anyway, the person that they were boarding with brought them to the farm to kind of see what a dairy farm looked like. One was from Toronto, never been to a farm, never had any experience with agriculture at all. And the last question she asked me was probably the most important one in her mind. And it was, do they have a good life? (laughs) And I think it speaks so much to She doesn't necessarily need or want to know that we use iodine to stop the bacteria or that they eat this much percent hay versus that much grain. She just wants to know that are they okay so that I can feel okay about my choice. And I think that's where as an entire food industry, we need to make sure we drive that conversation. We're going to have to stop agreeing so so violently here, Andrew, because I think you're exactly right. I think that there is some desire to feel good about what we're eating without really the time, the brain space, or frankly, the desire to know the intricacies of which corn hybrid you're picking and which particular pesticide you're using or whether you're milking two times a day or three times a day or all of those sorts of questions can I feel confident about the food I'm eating? And in some cases, particularly probably in things like you talked about, that steer becoming a steak, there's actually some willful ignorance. I probably don't want to know everything. I just want to know that it's that it's okay. Yeah, and I do believe that, you know, and, and your numbers in terms of all the different types of diets or food choices that people make, I think we can link so many of them 
into, you know, somebody is becoming a vegetarian because something about eating meat isn't making them feel good anymore. Yep. Whether it be from an animal welfare standpoint, whether it be from an environmental standpoint, a nutritional standpoint, a health standpoint, not that any of those are necessarily fact or fiction, but that's their belief. Vegans the same way, you know, all of these dairy-free, soy-free, all of these, they're making those choices because what they were eating before they made that choice all of a sudden didn't sit right with them anymore. Yep. And so, you know, so much of the time when we have these conversations, I think that, well, use steak as an example. Steak tastes good. People, you know, like the dining experience of going to a keg. They feel good about that. That if you can all of a sudden say, you know, okay, this isn't as unhealthy as you thought it was. This doesn't have the environmental impact you thought it was. The animal wasn't treated as poorly as you thought it was. Then all of a sudden they move back into that category pretty quickly because they like the whole experience and the feel good once they get rid of that nagging feeling behind them. So given all of that and the efforts of you and, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to engage people in understanding food, which is part of the reason we're having this conversation today. Are we making progress? Uh, I think in some areas, I think certainly we're making progress from the industry standpoint, from the farm, from the processing, from all these areas. I think we're making progress in the idea that this is important to do yeah. because, you know, I think what I've discovered over time is that this isn't something that one person or three people or 10 people can fix. This is kind of everybody just being more open and more willing to engage at whatever level they're comfortable with. So I think we're making progress in recognizing that that's important. I think we're making progress with a few players in the industry. You know, when I look at something like a McDonald's that doesn't necessarily go out and say, these are the changes we're going to make blanket statement because our customer demands it, they come back and they say, okay, we want to work back and forth a little more here to engage and to make sure we get it right. So I think seeing some of those things happen is important, but I still think we run into an enormous challenge when we look at, again, some of those other companies that have that kind of holier than thou mentality, as I call it, because we are greater and better because we said we are greater and better definitely has an impact on consumer confidence, especially if the bigger the brand, the bigger the impact they're going to have. And then the other side is just activism is such an important business to some that they are not going to say, oh, I feel better now that I've had this conversation with a farmer. No, they are just going to find the next thing that they will move in advance so that they can bring in more donations so they can keep their organization, which is a business, operating. And I think the challenge of always fighting whatever mysterious message they come out with is always going to continue to drag us a little. Yep. So that didn't sound very optimistic where you said it was always going to continue to. So do we need more voices? Do we need, I'm, I'm not sure we need coordinated voices, but you might disagree. Do, 
what can we do better? I do think that, yeah, coordinated voices probably isn't the right term. I think we certainly need, um, you know, more investment in the area. And I think it goes along the same lines as, you know, when we look at research and things, you know, how much money gets spent on research to then spend $100 on a press release and never talk about it ever again. Communications needs to be more of an investment from especially processors, kind of input industries, more in agriculture so that some of these messages do come through. I do think I'm optimistic that we can have some really positive conversations with consumers, but you're probably right in that I am less optimistic that something like activism goes away. It's not going to go away because there are very passionate people on that other side that are have stepped up from saying now all of a sudden you know a tweet isn't having the impact I wanted so now I'm going to start trespassing on farms I'm going to start undercover recording all that kind of stuff they are going to continue to try to advance their message forward so it just I think means it's that much more important for us to step out and say here's what we are doing you're exactly right the other perspectives are not going to go away and it increases the onus on people in agriculture to stand up and say, no, this is the way it is. This is the reality. As the volume goes up on one side, I don't think we just need to be shouting louder. I do think we need to be engaged in saying, this is what we're doing from a food production perspective and this is why it's important and this is why it's good. Yeah, and then let the consumer make their mind. I think, you know, we fall into the category, I, I mean... I've been guilty of it, too, that my wife's got a cousin who, you know, I remember many years ago, kind of first when I met her, is, you know, a full-out vegan. Yeah. And I have it in my head that, oh, I'm going to have you eating steak by supper time after we have a conversation. Well, that doesn't happen. We, as an industry, aren't going to change our mind that quickly. Why do we always think that the end of the conversation has to be, you have to agree with me. Yeah. Instead, we just have to say, this is what we do. This is why we do it. I want to answer your questions. Maybe I'll have answers you want to hear. Maybe I won't. I'm not going to worry too much about that. I'm just going to give you an honest perspective in terms of why we do it. And then, you know, we're fortunate enough in this country to have that choice that they can then make up their mind but at least they've heard from the farmer and heard, you know, a much more honest answer than just kind of a six word meme online that's driving their habits. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of our time. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. And we were talking before we started to record about how things are going on the farm. You are not only a speaker and, and I would argue an activist, although you're just on the other side of the discussion. You farm, what would you like people to know about you and your farm? Well, I think it's one of those that I've actually been contemplating this a lot. And as I said earlier, you know, after that student had come in to the farm and had a lot more questions that fit more in the emotional side of things than the how do you do this perspective. I, I've been trying to wrap my head around more and more in terms of the idea that what I would have said a few years ago was I want people to know about how I use antibiotics or, you know, how I don't use growth hormones and, you know, all those types of things. 
Whereas, you know, now I want to talk more about, and I think the message I want to talk more about is, as a farmer, I'm certainly not perfect. Certainly looked at things and, you know, we've modified things because I think we can do better. But I'm a farmer that wants to do better, just like, you know, every other farmer that, you know, at the end of the day has done a job that they think is a really good job that is having a positive impact. But at the end of the day, I I know that I can do a little bit better. So I think I'd want people to understand that where we're at here again is the why we do what we do, not necessarily the how, but the why we do what we do. And here's where we think we can do even better down the road. And then hear back from a consumer to say, you know, is that something that's important to you? Is that something that you would want to see? What does impact your eating habits? I think that's really where, you know, more and more of these production conversations need to go. And certainly, you know, one where I'm certainly not there yet, but one that I think I'm going to move a lot of my conversations towards. Yep. And I think the one thing I would add there, Andrew, is that it matters to you to do better. Oh, absolutely. Is like anyone, we always are trying to say, how can we, how can we improve that you care? And I think that that's, that's such an important part of the message. So, well, and I, and I, and I agree with you too, because of course it's the, I absolutely agree with you episode in that, you know, we just have to kind of almost get out of our heads as an industry to say, this is what the consumer wants to hear and just step back and say, you know, no, let's just focus on what we're doing. Think in our own heads in terms of why we do what we do. And, and certainly on our farm, I think that's actually helped in saying, okay, this isn't just a practice we're doing because we've done it for a lot of years, but here's the actual reason why we're doing to, you know, either improve animal care or improve nutrition or or improve soil quality and let that why lead the message a lot more. Yep. So that's a perfect place to end. Before I let you go, Andrew, I, I always appreciate hearing your perspective and I think people who are listening will too so it's your opportunity to do some shameless self-promotion where can they find you where's your podcast that sort of thing if they'd like to hear more from Andrew Campbell well certainly if they'd like to hear more or have any questions too they're always happy to ask away on social media you know we're on Facebook Instagram Twitter and YouTube all with the handle fresh air farmer is the handle that I use for everything. And then, yeah, certainly, you know, if you're if you're looking for a, a new podcast, we talk kind of food and food issues and food ideas quite regularly as well. And all you have to do is search Food Bubble uh, wherever you happen to get your podcast. We're kind of on all the platforms. So perfect. Well, thanks, Andrew. And as we as we wrap up, I'm going to say good luck as you get out and hopefully get the rest of your crop planted. I can't wait. It just we need to miss one or two rains and the mood will be much happier amongst farmers in the neighborhood. I know it. So but thanks very much for the chat and the conversation this morning, Mike. As we wrap up another episode of Food Focus, I thought I would just take a quick moment to thank Molly Gallant, who really does the heavy lifting in producing this podcast. She does all the hard work. I get to have the interesting discussions. Thank Zachary Von Massow for the original music. Before we go, I'd like to remind you again about our foodfocusguelph.ca website. Check out our blog, updated at least weekly. Check out previous versions of the podcast. 
check out our trends report, and get in touch with us, foodfocus at uoguelph.ca. We'd love to have you send us comments, ideas, suggestions, and just to interact and hear what you're thinking about. Finally, if you like the podcast, please take a moment to rate us wherever you get your podcast as this helps other people find us. So thanks again. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.